Welcome to the Adventuring for Mere Mortals podcast, episode 19. This month, Trev interviews Cal Starburst Dobbs, a teacher as well as the first transgender person to complete the Triple Crown. And if that wasn't enough, Cal is currently in the process of running from California to Florida. All right. So our guest this month is Cal Starburst Dobbs and we're going to go on our, I feel like it's almost a theme at this point where we have people that are hikers on and we barely talk about their hiking at all. But Cal was actually the first transgender person to complete the triple crown of hiking in the U.S. So thousands of miles of hiking. Um, she is a teacher for high school students. Hey, Trev, you didn't ask Cal what pronouns they preferred. And what we're going to be talking about today is that she's currently running across the U.S. from California to Florida, which is crazy. Like, it's it's hard to kind of comprehend. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Cal, could you just uh, give us a little bit of, of background about yourself? Absolutely. I mean, that certainly covers a lot of ground, literally. Uh, my name is Cal. <laughs> my pronouns are he, they. I am a queer and transgender uh, endurance athlete. I am a backpacker and an ultra marathoner, and I am currently running across America from California to Florida to primarily uh, raise awareness around two key issues, which is um, access to gender affirming healthcare and inclusion of trans platforms that anti-trans legislation is being waged on. And they're also two deeply personal topics for me as a transgender athlete. Wow. Yeah, we're we're definitely going to dive into some of that when we get into our main topic. But yeah, I guess we can normally at this point, we do a little bit of a catch up. But due to Kyle and I's crazy schedule and Cal's crazy schedule, it's just me and Cal today. Cal, what have you been up to? I know running a lot, I assume. Yes, definitely running a lot. Um, I just passed the 2000 mile mark on my uh, transcontinental run. And then shortly after crossed the border into Mississippi, heading east to Florida. Um, Yesterday, I crossed into Alabama, actually. So we are on the move, but I'm actually behind schedule because I had to take about a week off because I was invited um, by President Biden and Dr. Biden to their Pride uh, celebration at the White House. And of course, there's, I can't think of a better reason to get off oh, trail, quote unquote. Uh, when the president asks you to, to be there, you gotta show up. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, yes, yes. So that was a very welcome uh you know, sort of punctuation to all of the running. I got a bit of a rest in. I got to connect with a lot of really high profile trans uh, and queer athletes and individuals at that celebration. And it was really moving to have, you know, the president of the United States say, 
um, in a public, like in, you know, say in such a big way that he supports trans people, particularly trans youth. That was not something that I thought I would ever hear in my lifetime. So it was really impactful and felt very galvanizing for the rest of this run because I still have 500 miles left. So I got, I got to have some motivation. Yeah. And it seems like you're in the home stretch now too. So yes. how are you through to the end? That's right. Well, yeah. As for me, I really haven't been doing much other than just doing bike training for Ragbri, and we're in the nice. middle of a, of a drought. Like, I don't think it's rained here like significantly in like two months. So I'm just trying to keep my trees and plants and stuff alive. But other than that, but. Oh man. Well, we should give yeah. you some of the rain we're getting in the Gulf. <laughs> oh, I know. Like I, when I, I go down to New Orleans to when I head out to the boat and it's just mm-hmm. rainy and muggy all the time. And I come up here and everything's just dry and dead. Like it's really strange for the Midwest, but I won't yes. go on that. It's kind of sad to think about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think might as well just go straight into our, our main topic for the day. So we normally start out with, since this is primarily a, a podcast about getting people outside and talking about how, to make the outdoors a more equitable and inclusive place. But we usually start with how people were introduced to the outdoors and the love of the outdoors. So how did that come about for you, Cal? Yeah, I feel like I had a very unconventional path to backpacking specifically. Um, I have always been a runner ever since I was a little kid. I was running, but I was born and raised in the concrete jungle of Los Angeles with Mm -hmm. You know, and both of my parents worked full time. So while there is a lot of access to nature in LA, I wasn't exposed to that. I didn't grow up doing um, outdoor summer camps and things like that. And so, but I always felt this need inside me to move. I was always a very active kid. I did a, a kid. I did a lot of organized sports, um, and so. I started running competitively in middle school and then uh, thereafter in high school. And then I got recruited to run in college. And I found that the longer the distance got, the better I did in the races. So that's when I heard for the first time about, you know, ultra marathons and trail running. And I felt very interested. I was way more interested in running through uh, the trees and on trails than I ever was running on a track because I also competed in track and field. And so, but I'd never actually heard of backpacking specifically. Um, and it wasn't until a friend of mine senior year during spring break took me on my first backpacking trip in the white mountains of New Hampshire. And he identified the AT and I was like, what's the AT? He's like, Oh, it's the Appalachian trail. It's this trail. And he was telling me about it. And I didn't know what I was going to do after graduation exactly. Uh, But as soon as he was talking about it, I was like, that's the thing for me. Because I knew I hadn't really truly tested my endurance abilities. Um, But I knew that I had a lot of like God-given endurance. I had the mindset for it. I had the passion for it. So a couple days after graduation uh, with pretty much just my heart on my sleeve I went and attempted the AT and it was a colossal failure it was an absolute disaster (laughs) um I know some people can do a through hike without backpacking experience I'm personally not one of those people Mm. I mean I don't recommend it to anyone 
And while I think it's possible, I think it's important not to romanticize suffering. I think there's enough suffering that comes with being an outdoor person and an endurance athlete. And so I like to be very honest and transparent that I was just really bad at it when I started. Like I, I had a big ego about it because I was like, oh, I'm a collegiate runner. I'm obviously going to be a better backpacker than anyone out here and I simply was not I actually I like I didn't know what I was doing I think my pack was like 70 pounds when I started oh my god but it was like all food oh (laughs) well all food because I thought that like it was going to be like a month until I saw civilization (laughs) I thought I was going to like have like a long scraggly beard and be like a full like hermit and like emerge from the trees like being like like hissing at people in the town and it just like was so accessible like there was literally like you hit blood mountain and there's like an outdoor store (laughs) it's like a couple days into the AT and I was just like oh my god like I packed out peaches like what did I do (laughs) what did I get myself into it was terrible um but I you know by the skin of my teeth, I made it to Katahdin and it was, when I got there, I just felt like there's gotta be more for me. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it was one of those experiences where you, you have a life changing experience and what, you know, the main lesson that you come away with is how much you don't know. You come away with more questions than answers. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I decided I'm going to, hike the triple crown i'm gonna well i did the cdt next which is you know purportedly the hardest of the three and that was you know on the at was when i really started to question my understanding of myself i think Mm -hmm. that's a pretty common experience for people in the outdoors that once we're in nature those external voices get a little quieter and Mm -hmm. our internal voices can Um, become more clear and that's when I really started to connect with myself for the first time and um, you know again another moment of vulnerability on the AT I realized that I didn't really like myself very much you know and it wasn't because I wasn't a likable person it was just that classic dysphoria of like everyone likes me but me and I don't know why I feel this way and it was because I hadn't really spent very much time alone and then here I am alone in the woods for the first time in my entire life and it was terrifying and so that was really where I realized you know I'm very good at maintaining relationships with friends and partners but I'm really bad at maintaining a relationship with myself and I think for backpackers specifically backpacking comes with the invitation to connect with yourself I mean any outdoor activity does like nature invites that deeper connection with ourselves sort of the healing one of the healing properties of nature is just like kind of stripping us down to the essentials of who we are and and even with our stuff you know you have to carry your whole life on your back as a backpacker (laughs) and yeah, so it was brutal. It was very much like a brutal sort of transformation. It was felt sort of like the violence of a butterfly emerging from its chrysalis. Like it's not pretty, it's very painful, mm-hmm. but it's so worth it. And that's why I can now, you know, I am a very accomplished outdoorsman. I'm very experienced with a lot of things in the outdoors. I've faced all of my, I face a lot of those fears. And that's why I can now five years later after that experience run across America and 
it's really very fun and it's really good kind of easy and it's like i'm just enjoying every single day out here and i'm not scared i know what i'm doing and that's something i really had to work for over that over the triple crown that's amazing marble being chiseled (laughs) yeah so yeah you've I like the uh, metaphor of the the butterfly coming out of its chrysalis because you're like reborn as this strong, confident person that can tackle anything. And it's great. And yes, I love that yeah. nature kind of molded you in or allowed you to become the person that is this confident, strong, happy person. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. Oh, and that's, I forgot what I was going to mention is like, of course, like I, when I finished my triple crown, I became the first out person, like transgender person to complete the triple crown. And it really was on those trails that I found my sense of gender identity, because Mm -hmm. that was a huge part of me um, becoming connected to myself was like having society's voices more muted and then hearing my own voice. And I was like, oh, I am trans and, you know, I am queer and, if I'm not living authentically, then what's the point of anything? Yeah. Agreed. So yeah, you're, you mentioned that you're a trans individual and you are queer. Can we just do a short like overview of some of this terminology? Cause who knows who's going to yes. pick this up and listen. And there's so much, I'll call it static or chatter mm. in like social media and out in the world. Let's just set it straight on what all these mean. Yes, absolutely. I so appreciate this question. And I think that it's sort of the most important question that needs to be asked, because I think a lot of people are really scared of what they don't know. And I Mm -hmm. love talking about this because I'm also an educator and I love to demystify things because it's Mm -hmm. never the content that is hard to learn. It's always the fear of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think one of the most common misconceptions that I hear is sort of the um, false equivalency between gender identity and sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. So I'll just distinguish those two for starters. Um, Sexual orientation is who you're attracted to, who you love, who you're interested in, um, which very often is sort of like an attraction to a particular gender identity or gender expression, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So sexual orientation would be like, if a man is attracted to a woman, that's a heterosexual person. If a man is attracted to a man, it's homosexual. Like that is sexual orientation. It's about who you like desire romantically Mm -hmm. or physically. Whereas gender identity while related is completely separate. Gender identity is how a person identifies and understands their own gender which is distinctly different from like biological sex so of you know a few days ago i'm sure everyone heard like elon musk saying that cisgender is a slur on twitter and stuff which is so silly because nobody says that being straight is a slur like nobody says that being white is a slur it's just simply what you are and so there are only two categories. There's cisgender and cis, the prefix of that means same and trans means different. So there's cisgender and transgender. Cisgender means that you identify your gender identity as what you were assigned at birth. So it's like a child is born, 
doctor says this is a boy and then that child grows up and says I'm mm-hmm. a boy it's just cis means same you identify as the same gender that you were assigned at birth transgender just means trans as a prefix means different and so it's like child is born a, the doctor says this is a girl and that child grows up and says you know I don't really feel like a girl I feel like something else maybe I feel like I don't identify with being mm-hmm. a girl or I feel like a boy and that person would be transgender and so um that is the difference between those things I think there's also a lot of rhetoric around pronouns people are like mm-hmm. I don't have pronouns it's like God. literally your dog has pronouns yeah. like you know like um everything has pronouns because pronouns are just the word that we use as like the noun to describe something um other than specifically what it is you know Mm -hmm. so it's like that like the noun would be that man but then the pronouns would be he right so that man he likes water or whatever it's like so um where people can get where people get confused with pronouns is that sometimes when they look at a person and this is not exclusive to trans people, but sometimes we look at a person and we can all relate to this experience and we can't tell quote unquote their gender by looking Mm -hmm. at them. Um, And so it's sort of like how we refer to people in the third person. So maybe everyone's had that experience where you like go to a cafe and you order from the barista and you're like, I can't tell if that person was a boy or girl. <laughs> they seem kind of androgynous. And so like, if you can't tell their gender by looking at them, like, what do you call them? And there, I just said three times they as mm-hmm. a gender neutral pronoun and it sounded completely normal. And it's cause we do it all yeah. the time. You know, um, so that's, you know, they, them as a pronoun is, is not new. It's been around since 1300s. It's a, um, it's the singular, singular they is not the same as plural they for a group. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes people get confused when maybe you look at someone and you read that person as a certain gender, but then they introduce themselves with different pronouns. And it's like, oh, that's not what I thought you were. And that's not anything to be ashamed of. It's just because we all make assumptions, you know, based on like what we see. But the important thing with all of this is just to let people tell you who they are and use the language that they use to describe themselves. And if you don't know, ask. It's like if you were to meet someone at a party and you're like, that guy really looks like his name is Dave. And he says, like, (laughs) hey, my name is Benjamin. You wouldn't then go, well, I think you look like your name is Dave. So I'm going to call you Dave. (laughs) He'd be like, bro, what's your problem? And that goes to the same thing as like, if you go to a party and you see someone, you're like, oh, they look like a guy and they introduce themselves and they're like, hi, my name is Christine. You don't go, well, you don't look like a Christine, you know, it's like, (laughs) okay, this is Christine. Like, what are your pronouns? And she says, my pronouns are she, her. And it's like, okay, she, her, Christine, you know, and we just respect that. And you don't have to understand people to respect them. No, thank you so much for that. I'll call it the 101 primer on all that. It's really great. So this kind of leads yes, me into a, maybe, maybe a weird question, but so I've spent a Love decent amount questions. of time. On, I spent a decent amount of time in the South and we use y'all a lot. Yes. What are your feelings on using y'all as like a, 
in more inclusive term if you don't know somebody's pronouns because i've been thinking about oh it's like gosh, it's so yes. pretty inclusive yes i am a big proponent of y'all uh it is the original gender neutral pronoun yeah um the south invented gender neutral pronouns (laughs) so yes absolutely i would say that's perfect like if you don't know people's gender for sure um i would just say like it's not a way to avoid asking and i know that that can be uncomfortable for people but Mm -hmm. i think it's like anything where like um if we just get used to it then it'll be normal. And I think there's a lot of ways around that discomfort too, Mm -hmm. where it's like, if we introduce ourselves with our pronouns, then maybe we won't have to ask someone else's because they'll just freely offer them. Or, you know, you'll see sales associates in stores with their pronouns on their name badges. That's another great way. Because I know that there is a lot of discomfort around gender identity and it feels very new to a lot of people but what i think Mm -hmm. is important is much in the way that we talk about mental health it's like it's not that more people are depressed or anxious these days it's just that more people have the language and tools to describe how they feel but it's not new so it's the same with gender it's not that there's more trans people or more you know, diverse peoples. It's just, we have language to describe it Mm -hmm. and it's going to be uncomfortable at first. And that's why I just so appreciate bringing these topics that people have Mm -hmm. a lot of fear around into spaces that we love, like the outdoors, Mm -hmm. because it's like nature doesn't judge people. Nature doesn't gender, doesn't treat people differently based on their gender. Nature isn't like homophobic or transphobic like nature loves or hates everybody equally yeah. <laughs> and so we can nature's a really great teacher for a lot of this especially since like transgender identities have always existed in nature there's so many species oh, yes. of animal that are either transgender or gender fluid or like transition at different points in their development as a species or their sexual maturation and it's just there's a lot of intersex species too and it's just like if we knew more about nature, we would see how normal and natural all of this is. And it's mm-hmm. just not scary at all. It's actually so beautiful. No, that that's great. Bringing it back to nature. And if I can go back for very quickly about like the uncomfortableness of like asking for someone's pronouns, I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people do their best to avoid uncomfortable situations at all costs. Definitely. So that's probably why, but we've talked about this previously being you need to get comfortable being uncomfortable because that's how you grow that's how you become better so i just wanted to make a small small thing with that (laughs) yes and anyone who's done a through hike knows that that's Mm -hmm. one of the most uncomfortable things you can do not showering for days (laughs) (laughs) yep heard that (laughs) yes i love that cool all right now i think we have a nice good foundation now so let's get in to your the transcontinental run so you mentioned it briefly just give us the rundown and then we'll kind of run on from there yes my pleasure so uh i am running across america from the pacific ocean to the atlantic ocean i started in march in los angeles uh which is where i was living at the time running across the american southwest and south ending in at the atlantic ocean in florida although we're having our big celebration to end the run in Orlando. And that 
is a new development just be, you know, with everything going on in Florida. Originally I was going to end in either Tallahassee or Jacksonville. And unfortunately mm-hmm. it's simply not safe to have mm-hmm. a big group of trans people. And this is going to sound silly, but one of the main reasons we moved it to Orlando is there are no bathrooms we can use. Like we literally don't oh, have really? a place to piss in Florida. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's illegal for um, a trans for a person to use a bathroom in Florida. As of a couple weeks ago, this law was passed um, to use a bathroom of a gender that is not literally what's on their birth certificate. And what's crazy about this is that a lot of trans people's, you know, when you transition, you actually can get your birth certificate to reflect the gender that you truly are. So then mm-hmm. there was like this weird stipulation in the law where it was like based on your like DNA or something, which is just so invasive, such an invasion of privacy. Um, and I don't feel comfortable like inviting a lot of, high, yeah. you know, a lot of trans people into a space with a hostel and potentially dangerous environment. So anyway, that's besides the point. Um, so I'm running across America and along the way, I am stopping in several towns and cities to do uh, community events and fundraisers for local grassroots groups that are doing the most to support trans people during these unprecedented times of anti-trans legislation and rhetoric that we're seeing in our country. Um, almost 500 explicitly anti-trans bills have been introduced across, I think it's like 48 states at this point. Um, and almost a hundred of them have been passed, which is really terrifying that we're yeah. sort of living in this dystopian world. And so my whole philosophy with this run is that I want to bring love and, you know, in a time of ignorance and fear and hatred especially as an educator, I feel that the antidote to that is um, community connection and love and especially centering, you know, joy of trans people and the people who care about us because this is so much bigger than just trans people. And we're already Mm -hmm. seeing um, these ideas about gender identity and trans people hurt all of us in a lot of these anti-trans bills they're sort of shoehorning reproductive rights like really oppressive reproductive rights policies into them um they're shoehorning in other um sort of add-ons that are really hurting poor people i mean the plight of trans people is one of freedom and bodily autonomy and anyone who thinks this is not affecting them um is not paying attention you know this is a feminist issue transphobia is gender-based discrimination that is what feminism is supposed to you know end or or, Mm -hmm. um undermine is like anyone being discriminated on the basis of gender or sex and this hurts you know cisgender men too it hurts cisgender and straight men because it's like I feel, I was thinking about this the other day. What is the worst thing that, what is like the worst insult that you could call a man? A girl or a pussy or a faggot or gay. That's like the worst thing. Like no fist fight has been started faster on a schoolyard than when a boy calls another boy a girl, right? And so we learn so young, like we're all of our kids learn so young that if they are not conforming to these very reductionist and limited boxes of gender expression and identity that we put them in, that they're going to be punished for that. 
And then as a result, we have men growing up only inhabiting this very like limited experience of the human condition. Like boys can't feel sadness, Mm -hmm. boys can't feel tender. Like, and so it's just, it's such a, an awful way for all of us to live as a society. And I think that like getting back to the outdoors, you know, nature invites us to really explore the depth and the breadth of the human condition of our humanity of our, I mean, it certainly reminds us of our mortality and our human frailty, you know, and like really puts things into perspective. And so I just feel like, you know, why do essentially like why do people care if someone was assigned male at birth but they're actually a girl like let people be their truest most authentic selves and that's something that I think the outdoors invites all of us to do is just to be to heal ourselves and to be complete Mm -hmm. and I think it's time you know we're approaching this societal reckoning around gender um and our beliefs and ideas about it, where we, we have to reconcile the ways that, you know, this doesn't serve any of us. And the gift that trans people have to offer the world is possibility. It's mm-hmm. the gift of asking, wasn't it supposed to be more beautiful than this? Can it be more beautiful than this? And that is the question of the outdoorsman is like, you're supposed to work this nine to five job. And then all of us say, you know what, actually, thanks, but no thanks. I'm actually (laughs) going to go live an unconventional and beautiful life. And I'm going to reject, you know, at least some of the expectations of me. And that's, that's the beautiful gift that trans people have to offer the world is that like, thank you for um, this, box this is a beautiful box for someone but it's not for me you know and I'm gonna be myself and I think that like there's a lot like instead of be instead of like learning from trans people or queer people we're very afraid of those things in our own hearts um so we try to oppress the people that are these painful reminders of everything we've sacrificed to fit in quote unquote Mm -hmm. No, that's great. I just like to say you are crushing it with the metaphors. I'm, metaphors oh, are usually my you. thing, and I'm just loving this. <laughs> but, oh, my pleasure. Me too. <laughs> no, this is great. Like, and you're right. Like, society wants to put people in boxes, and people, a lot of people don't fit in the box that they're given. And a lot of people yeah. just go through their life being unhappy, being in that box. And like you said, like trans folks are showing that they're, you don't have to be in that box. You can be different. You can pursue what makes you happy and yeah like it the if you want to simplify this whole the whole problem people have with trans folks i don't understand why you can't just let people be happy and do their thing that's that that is probably oversimplifying but i think it is a lot more simple than we were led to believe yeah man okay yeah this is this is this is great so um i'm going through some of my questions here but we've already hit on a lot of things i had written down which is great but so how did you come up with the idea to do this run like you went from hiking you're like you know what i don't want to carry a 70 pound backpack uh that's right (laughs) (laughs) it's really just i hate carrying things so i was like what can i do i don't have to carry anything (laughs) um yes i so appreciate this question because when i told 
um, at least my, you know, digital following that I was going to run across America. They're like, Oh, trying something new. Are you? And I was like, no, because everyone knew me as a backpacker. I was like, no, I was a runner way before I was a backpacker. I have a lifetime of experience running. It's for me, I'm going home, you know, Mm -hmm. backpacking was the, the vacation, you know, was the new thing I was trying but I, like I said, I've been a runner since third grade. I've been competing since sixth grade. Um, and I like to say that like running is my longest and most faithful romance in my life because it really does feel romantic. Like mm-hmm. I wake up every day excited to run. I go to bed every day excited to run the next day. Um, you know, we have our conflicts and we have to work through them. And I have days where I'm like, you know, I'm really sick of you, but you know, I love running. So I, so I always work through it. And, um, to answer your question, I came up with, I I decided that I was going to run across America in middle school. I don't know what kind of weird kid I was that I had this idea, but like I was already competing and running. I always, I already realized that I was really good at it. And Mm -hmm. I started to realize what I mentioned earlier, that the longer the distance got, the better I got at it. And I told, I think I had a PE teacher that had biked across America and I was like, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to run across America. And I had no idea how far that was at the time. (laughs) I couldn't even point to the East coast on a map probably, but yeah, I, I think that as we grow up, a lot of us, you know, and it's not a bad thing, but a lot of our dreams and goals and aspirations can change and mutate, or we just have to shed some of them because they're not practical. Um, I've never been good at letting go for better or worse. So I cling to my dreams pretty tight. And that was one dream that never went away. And I always had in the back of my mind that I was going to run across America. I just didn't know when. And so I got into backpacking and I completed my triple crown. And that was such an incredible achievement. And I definitely needed a rest after that, but you know, when I go back to teaching, because I, I had to take a sabbatical for that, I'm not mm-hmm. going to have more than a summer break to do any given thing. So yeah. I told myself, I was like, you know, listen, this is kind of the last chance you're going to have to do for a while um, to do a really big endurance project. Um, so what's it going to be? And I was like, you know, there's always going to be an excuse to not do the thing that you really want to do. And that has oh, been one of the most yeah, that has been one of the most tragic things during my through hikes is like meeting a lot of people who are hiking after they retired. And every single one of them says, wow, I wish I had done it when I was young like you. And so I have to do it. And what I didn't know at the time is that I was going to do my run across America during the most hostile year towards trans people to date So, you know, it was very serendipitous timing that I would get gender affirming top surgery right before I left for my run across Mm -hmm. America and that I would be able to turn my run into something so much bigger than myself and really use my passion for running in the outdoors to make this world a better place. I mean, that's the dream is to do what you love and feel like 
you're leaving the world better than you found it. Definitely. And so we, the, the subject that keeps coming up over and over and over again is having people in the world that are setting this good example of, Hey, I can do that. I can be that person. And it's great to talk to you and see you are doing this. And in arguably the most hostile time that you could be out there doing this kind of thing, you're kind of putting a, like a, a spotlight on yourself, but using that positively to say, Hey, this is cool. We can do this. We're people like, just great to see. Thank you. And I, feel lucky that, you know, I, I am a trans person who has privilege, you know, like I am a white trans person. I am a trans masculine person. It would be a lot scarier to do what I'm doing if I looked different, or if mm-hmm. I was a different person. But for that reason, I always say with privilege comes responsibility, you know, Sorry. because I am at a lower risk of violence, um, doing something like this, then it is incumbent on me to use my privilege for good. And I feel very lucky that over the course of this run, I've been able to do what you mentioned, which is like build a platform where I am visible. I can shine a spotlight on myself. Um, I'm willing to you know, deal with the risks that come with that because there certainly are. And I've mm-hmm. seen such a positive outcome, you know, not okay. just this being acknowledged in, you know, the national press and by the office of, and by the White House and stuff, but most importantly with the trans people that I meet along the way in these really rural areas and some of the battleground states for this legislation, mm-hmm. like Texas, like Florida, like Arizona especially getting to meet trans youth and just being a role model for them. I mean, that was the whole point of all of this. And it feels so inspiring to me every day that I get to do this. It's, I mean, what a gift. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. So we've got a couple more, hopefully short questions on uh, your run, but so have you had any sketchy encounters or you've already kind of touched on the amazing encounters getting to interact with trans youth, but anything noteworthy? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I, I do love this question because I feel like the whole run people have said, you you know, be careful. Like I'll get Mm -hmm. into New Mexico. People are like, be careful. And then I'll get into Texas and people are like, be careful. And then I get into the South and people are like, be careful. And I'm like, be careful of what? Like, (laughs) honestly, we, we are so afraid of each other. Like, it's so sad to me how scared people are of each other. And, you know, I um, have a brand new answer to this question for you. I was talking to my my girlfriend about this the other day. I came up with another metaphor. You're going to love this one. I have another metaphor for this. Okay. I was thinking about this because on this run across America, I very often find myself running on kind of sketchy two lane highways with no Mm -hmm. shoulder or very little shoulder. And so I'm very vulnerable as like a pedestrian um, to the oncoming traffic. And so um, when there's no shoulder, it kind of is incumbent on the, on the driver to swerve around me and to give me a wide berth. Mm -hmm. And I would say that about 95% of drivers across America especially in the South, actually, fun fact, are incredibly courteous. They will literally go into the other lane, like the oncoming traffic to to go around me. And, you know, and most of them will wave and I'll wave back and say thank you. And so I've been very um, 
it's very like heartwarming to see how courteous and respectful the drivers are out here. And who knows, maybe in their heads, they're kind of like, you know, being resentful. Or they're like, why is this person on the side of the road? And like, maybe they have yeah. thoughts and opinions about it, but they do it anyway, because it's the right thing That's to good. do. Yeah. And then 5% of the drivers are assholes <laughs> and yeah. they yeah. don't move over. They get really close to me. They full, we fully make eye contact and they're like, fuck you. And they don't move over. <laughs> oh, and I have to like, and I have to like jump out of the way at the last minute. And so I think that this is a really good metaphor for the politics in a lot of these states that people judge as hostile. I think this mm -hmm. is a really good metaphor for the national landscape of pe how people feel about trans people. I think that the vast overwhelming majority of people either do care or they don't care and it's fine they're like i don't yeah. give a shit do whatever you want and mm -hmm. maybe they have these like clandestine opinions but they that are hurtful but they don't say them out loud because they know that they're wrong and i'm okay with that i don't care i don't yeah. have to be best friends with everybody but then there's like a very small percentage of people that mm -hmm. are hostile that are ignorant and will actually act out on that and I like to focus on the positive. I like yeah. to focus on the people who care about us and the people who, you know, I like to focus on reducing harm. Um, and I think that's a vast majority of people. And that is very encouraging. But unfortunately, that small percentage of people is capable of a lot of damage, even though it's not the majority. And that's why it's important to keep fighting and not mm -hmm. forget that you know, none of us are safe until all of us are. Mm -hmm. um, but my run, I am not out here to change anybody's mind. I am not out here to, you know, have, I don't know, to facilitate abrasive conversations. I'm really just here to spread joy to trans people Great. who really need it and to answer questions from you know, well-meaning folks. And that yeah. is what I found in the majority of this run. And if I don't feel safe somewhere, I just leave. I just reroute my route. And I'm like, nope. Yep. The scariest, the sketchiest thing have been dogs. Folks uh, in yeah, the right. South, they do, their dogs are not like pets. Mm. They're, They're free range. Leash. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. And I do like your, your, your point to say 95% of people either don't care or are supportive. And it's really easy to hear that vocal minority getting louder and louder and louder and that think that they speak for the majority of people when it's not true at all. So I'm glad, really yeah. glad you brought that up. Yeah. All right. So you might be the only guest we're ever going to have that has been to the White House. So I, I need to, <laughs> we need to talk about that a little bit. So my pleasure. Yeah. Just go for it. And I will, I will ask yes. any questions that come up when I come up. With. Oh my gosh. So much to say. Don't, don't give me the mic. to. Just talk about <laughs> um, I mean, I, what I want to share, I mean, cause I could talk about how cool it was to meet all these famous people or whatever. <laughs> that is not the message that I want to carry to everyone else. What I, what I want to share is that it was, I wish that everyone could have been a fly on the wall in that situation, especially people that feel hopeless, people that feel powerless, you know, those, you know, 90% of people we're talking about that probably do care, but they don't see 
how it affects them or they're like, wow, that's so sad. What's happening to those people over there, but there's nothing I can do. There is a lot that we can do and we are making a difference. You may not see the changes, but it does matter. And a huge part of my run has been storytelling because there's a lot of talk about trans people and there's not a lot of talking with trans people or hearing from trans people. Mm -hmm. And that is so important is that like, there's all this dialogue about us and we're being totally erased from the conversation. And so when I went to the White House, I met one of the advisors to the LGBTQ Congressional Congress, which are a caucus rather in Congress, which by the way, is the largest caucus um, in the House of Reps. And we, I asked him, I was like, you know, what is your theory? Uh, like, how do you see us moving forward? How do you see, um, that you know the situation getting better for trans people and he is a gay man himself and he said i am hearing verbatim the rhetoric and the arguments being that were waged against gay men and gay marriage in the early 2000s mm -hmm. exactly word for word the same things that are being said about trans people and guess what we won marriage equality yep. and that's not the be all end all but it's like every single company in america during june has a pride flag so it's like clearly most people like maybe people are like oh i don't want to see two men kissing but like it's fine that you <laughs> do you'll be fine. you know it's like yeah, you'll be all yeah, right it's like yeah, no one's gonna do anything no one's gonna say anything and so i think that as a society we're like pretty okay with gay people we're pretty okay with lesbians we're pretty okay but we're not okay with trans people. So trans people, we're not there yet. We've got some more growing to do. But it was really galvanizing to hear him say that the most important thing that can change hearts and minds are stories. And he has heard families with trans kids come and testify in Congress about these issues. And he has heard moderate or conservative leaning senators and representatives turn around after hearing these stories and use them in congressional hearings the next day mm -hmm. to advocate for trans people because they knew someone who was trans. I don't think that's always going to change things is like people having a personal connection. But for myself, like my dad's side of the family is very Southern, very conservative, very Republican. And now they have a trans family member. They have me. And they're all pretty chill about trans people now. That's good. And so at the White House, I think it's just, you know, being at that pride celebration. This is the first year, by the way, that a trans flag has ever been displayed wow. at the White House. And That's so awesome. I just, it was so cool. I walked in and I was like, did you see that? I was like, is that real? What? Are we, is this the White House? Did we rock in the wrong door? Like, you know, <laughs> and it was real. There was a pride flag next to a trans flag. And, you know, that was absolutely incredible. And it was so wonderful to be reminded of all of the work that this community is doing because we're so disconnected. I mean, America is such a big country. A lot of the connections that we make are digital these days, especially after the pandemic. And we forget that we're, we're all people and we're mm -hmm. all doing so much and it really is making a difference. And that was reflected in the speech that um, president Biden made at the pride celebration where he said, you know, I want to speak to, to my, our trans community, particularly trans youth. And then mm -hmm. he said something to the effect of 
you matter, you are understood and you belong. And I never thought that in our lifetime we would hear a president sing that specifically to trans people. And they launched a an LGBTQ, like this is the first year that there's ever been a White House LGBTQ hotline um, or support line, or sorry, not White House, a national, like a national, um, like a federal hotline. Because of course, mm-hmm. there's lots of organizations like the Trevor Project that have national hotlines, mm-hmm. but there is now like a federally sanctioned, like government run crisis awesome. hotline for the LGBTQ community. And so it's like, you know, I think that President Biden gets it and he is walking a very tight, he's walking a tightrope with these really divisive issues. But getting back to, you know, the outdoors and athletics, the main protection that trans people have um, federally is Title IX, which mm-hmm. in the 70s, Title IX was passed, for those who don't know, um, to prevent gender based, gender and sex based discrimination. Mm-hmm. Um, and it should hypothetically cover transphobia and trans and discrimination of trans people, but passed a resolution to say that Title IX does cover gender and sex-based discrimination, or sorry, uh, that Title IX does protect trans athletes, um, which is what a lot of this legislation at the state level is targeting. Okay. No, this is, this is all good news. And like, these aren't like things that get like shouted from the mountaintop. So it's good that you're, you're bringing them to the forefront and more people can hear about them. But yeah, that's, that's awesome. My pleasure. And, oh, my favorite part of the white house. My favorite yeah. part of the white house was the moms. There were a bunch of moms in like rainbow tutus. Like, I just want everyone to feel loved. It was so cool. <laughs> So, yeah, I've just got a couple more questions. Um, And I think we might have already covered this. So I like to ask people that are in different communities than me as like a large cis white dude, um, how people that look like me can make the outdoors or the world in general a more equitable, inclusive place for everybody. And since you are in the LGBTQ plus community, how can what can we do? Yes, thank you for this question. Um, I think that change is a lot simpler and less scary than people think it is, as we've been talking about. Um, I think that a huge, like, I don't think anyone needs to have, like, a degree in gender and sexuality studies before they can make a difference, you know, and that fear of getting started can be paralyzing. So I think it's really just about starting with basic stuff. Number one, as we said, you know, you don't have to understand someone to respect them. So it starts off with just using the language to describe people, like pronouns, name, that people use to describe themselves. So like, if you see someone who looks like you, but has long hair, and they say, my name is Jessica, then you call them Jessica, no matter what, you know, those internal biases are, you know, and I think it's okay to ask questions without the expectation that trans people are going to answer them. I personally love answering questions, you know, and I, I really appreciate when people ask questions from a place of good intent, because that's how we learn. And as an educator, Mm -hmm 
you know, I, there's no, you know, we've all heard there's no stupid questions, only stupid people. And <laughs> how do you not become a stupid person? You ask questions, you know, yeah. like we just don't know what we don't know. And nobody was taught this. You know, I wasn't taught any of this as a kid and I came into this understanding as an adult and it just, it, I realized who I truly am. Um, and so it's just, how can, how can allies make things more inclusive? I would say starting with easy things like pronouns, um, maybe like if you work in a store, like wear a pin with your pronouns or like even like little things to let people know that you're a safe person, like a little pride flag in front of your house or something like mm -hmm. that. Or um, yeah, like something to just be like, you don't have to be scared of me is like, you know, something kind of nice or like introducing yourself with your pronouns. And then I think speaking up as well, when you mm -hmm. hear things that are wrong and it doesn't mean that we have to engage in these like protracted intellectual debates, but it can really just be as simple as like when the issue of trans people in sports comes up at the dinner table or at the bar, you just say, you know, trans women are women and there is actually no scientific evidence in a recently released, you know, comprehensive study of 10 years of research on trans people in sports. There is no evidence to support that trans people have an unfair advantage over cisgender people when they have undergone the, the um, like required mandated mm -hmm. hormone suppression, you know, like there is no evidence of that because people will always say like, oh, it's just science. And it's like, well, the science supports trans people yeah. and athletes. Trans people have been legally allowed to compete in the Olympics since 2003. Trans athletes can compete, ha have been able to compete in uh, NCAAs and division one um, sports since 2011, I believe. And who is writing these policies? Experts medical associations you know when the whole issue and talking point about kids comes up like well i don't care if adults are trans but kids are too young to know just saying simple things like kids know that they're trans kids know they're trans and will act becomes a conscious you know metacognitive thing in a kid's uh, in a kid's mind around five years old which is why a lot of kids like to dress differently and then we shame them out of that it's just it's very simple stuff. So I would say sort of like learning the really basic things about trans identities can be important to just know what to say. And you don't have to have your, you know, a PhD in any of this. It's, it's really quite simple. And I think that people who do care have the power to demystify it for everyone else because the people saying, well, it's just science or well, kids don't know are not actually they don't actually know the science no. and that's a teachable moment you know um another thing is like when they say oh don't expose kids to these things it's like well didn't you watch disney princess movies growing yeah. up like didn't that expose kids to heterosexuality like did you indoctrinate the straight kids like you know <laughs> And things like clothes don't have a gender. It's like, oh, you know, you see those viral videos of like the people in Target being like, they're trying to turn our kids gay because this boy shirt has a rainbow. Christ. It's like the sky makes rainbows. Yeah, Is the on. sky gay? Like, 
I mean, the answer is yes, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, that that's great. Yeah, like it's 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 nice to hear. Just like start small, like and work yes, up from start there. Very small. Yes, yes. It doesn't have to be hard or scary, and nobody expects someone to just drop everything and like do all the things it's like no you just it's just respecting people that's all definitely no that's awesome okay my last two questions i ask everybody these so the first one is what is your biggest outdoor mistake so this can be running hiking anything kind of go with it where you want my biggest outdoor mistake which actually turned into my best outdoor story. So it's like, glad it happened, would never do it again, <laughs> was hiking on the PCT through Yosemite in April, in the winter. Ooh. I almost died, but I got the most incredible pictures oh, and yeah. stories to last a lifetime. And I've never been so close to death in my life. And I hope I never do that again. <laughs> Don't don't winter backpack if you don't know what you're doing. It is a great way to die. It was in a blizzard too through Yosemite. Oh, it was brutal. Understandably, yeah. Like, and with no backpacking experience. Yep, also difficult. <laughs> all right. Well, my last yep. question is just kind of a catch. Is just kind of a catch-all. Um, is there a question I should be asking you that I haven't? Like if I missed it, did I just absolutely miss something? No, I think that we covered a lot of really great ground and Sweet. this was such a fun conversation. Good. I thought it was, I think it's been great as well. Yes. Well, um, so yeah, I guess we'll just bring it on home and yeah. Is there anything you want to plug your Instagram, your website, all that stuff? Definitely. Oh, one thing that I will share is as I mentioned, I think a lot of people are seeing what's happening and feel kind of like, what can I do? Especially in Florida. I mean, Florida is just out there doing their own thing. And it's like, oh yeah. man, lost cause. But that's not true. There's lots of trans people in Florida. There's lots of queer people in Florida and they really need love and support more than before. So this is not the time to boycott Florida. This is the time to help Florida. So I, as a part of my run across America in partnership with the National Center for Transgender Equality, we started a series called the Trot for Trans Lives, which is a series of 5K family-friendly fun runs. It initially just started as one run in Austin, Texas to fundraise for Texas-based trans support groups because Texas is also off doing their own thing. And mm -hmm. then people loved it so much. We raised $21,000 wow. through that one 5K. And we had over 300 participants worldwide because we had an in-person and a virtual run. And That's then awesome. a bunch of people were like, can I have a Trot for Trans Lives in my town? Can I have one in my town? So since then, uh, during June, we've hosted four Trot for Trans Lives total with over 700 participants worldwide across four cities and raised about $40,000 for um, trans support groups. And it's just such a fun way to really make an impact while also doing something really fun and you get a yeah. cool t-shirt. So what I'll plug is we are having our like 
rah-rah finish line homecoming trot for trans lives to finish my run strong um, and end it off in Orlando, Florida on July 29th. And it will be okay. both in person in Orlando and virtual. So you can run from anywhere in the world and it will all be a fundraiser for we were doing like three to four groups, but we're actually doing six groups in Florida that are doing so much to support um, trans people, including a legal defense fund that is like on the ground fighting a lot of these laws in court. And like mm -hmm. nobody knows about them. Like everyone's heard of the ACLU, but like yeah. these groups are doing so much in Florida. Um, so that is Trot for Trans Lives in Orlando, Florida, July 29th. Sign up, join us, get a cute shirt. And it's just, it's some movement. It's really fun. And again, like that all of this doesn't have to be scary. It can be mm -hmm. as simple as going out and running three miles around the lake with your friends. And that will make a difference in the life of a trans person yeah. in Florida and nationally. So yes, my Instagram is Cal, C-A-L underscore hikes, H-I-K-E-S. My website is caldobs.com, that's C-A-L-D-O-B-B-S.com. And folks can find out um, everything about that. Last thing I'll say, because I know it so much, is we are making a documentary out of all of this. My run across America, the people I've met along the way, um, sharing those stories of trans people, uplifting those voices that need to be heard. Um, but we can't make the documentary without money. So if we, if you go to my website or my Instagram, you'll find the link to the GoFundMe. Please help us make this documentary so we can get more beautiful trans voices, faces, yeah. stories in front of people's eyes. It's going to be such a good film. I'm so excited. That is amazing. And I will have all the details for that in the show notes if if no one wants to like scribble all of this down furiously. So <laughs> heck yeah. But but awesome. Yeah. So I'll just bring it home. Yeah, the best way to support the podcast is to rate us five stars on Apple or Spotify. Those are really the only places you could do it right now. Um, the podcast Instagram is at mere mortal pod. If you want to send us an email, you can email us at adventuringformeremortals at gmail.com. Um, we have a Discord channel, Discord server, if that's your thing. There's a, a invite link in the show notes. Um, my personal Instagram is at Trevor Bowman, two L's, two N's. Kyle has no social media presence, and I don't think he ever will. But you can wave to him or wave to people that look like they could be named Kyle in Central PA or anywhere else. And uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I guess we'll talk to everybody next month. And Cal, thanks so much for coming on. This has been a great conversation. I really, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. My pleasure. So much fun. All right. We'll see everybody next month.